thinking about some of the things we've been through and some of the funny things and uh, some of the momentous times uh, of being in Pentecost. And uh, so we thought we'd talk about some of those. David was sharing some of those things this afternoon. He's kept us in stitches. So uh, what, what comes to mind? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I huh? forgot what we were talking about this afternoon. <clears throat> well, some of, the, some of the great, some of the things I think might be helpful, I don't know. Um, Maybe how I came into the ministry would oh, that be, be helpful. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, that's great. I, I didn't want to come. I didn't want to go in the ministry. My father was in the ministry, and I didn't want what he had. Uh, we were always poor, never had enough money, and the house was always full of people who never seemed to leave. Um, and and we always put people up. We had one lady came. We called her Auntie May. She had nervous trouble. She stayed with us two years. By the time she left, we all had nervous trouble. <laughs> and then, um, who had we? We, we had Ethel. Ethel, uh, uh, she had some ailment or other, but she, she never talked. In the early Pentecostal days, you would never admit to being ill. She used to say she had the symptoms of an illness. Yeah. Uh, and she had um, ill-fitting false teeth. Meal times were a nightmare. And she, she, she played hymns all the time on the piano with a, a unique style of delivery. You know, the left hand, the left hand hitting the keys slightly before the right hand, you know. So this was Ethel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did she die from the symptoms? <laughs> I don't think she's admitting death. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of people like that. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to talk about the octopus, do you? <laughs> don't ask him some other time. Uh, yeah, so uh, what memorable conversions do you remember? Any, uh, any come to mind, you know? Well, over the years, we've seen a number. I was, I was saying to Bob earlier on, we, when, when the great Billy Graham rallies, a lot of you young people won't remember those, but they were fabulous, really, in their heyday. Um, we, we, I uh, organized trainloads of people yeah. um, to go to Bramall Lane, Sheffield, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to Aston Villa. Yeah. And uh, there were thousands and thousands of people there. And I remember this particular book, fella, his wife had come to the church. Yeah. She'd, she'd got wonderfully converted and yeah. saved yeah. and she was praying for her husband and twisting his arm and, but he was a builder. If ever you've seen the cartoons um, Popeye and Bluto well he was the spitting image of Bluto great big builder big beard uh, but we wanted him to get saved and we dragged him along to Bramall Lane yeah. And uh, he was sat at the side of the platform and the sun was shining. And when Billy Graham said, I want you now to get up out of your seats and give your life to Christ. Yeah. It, we were just watching. I had my eyes on him. It was a great feeling just to see him stand up. 
walked to the front, yeah. gave his life, this big guy, gave his life to Jesus. Glory. It was just wonderful and so changed and transformed mm -hmm. yeah, by the grace of God. It Glory was God. really inspiring. Yeah, I, I believe in uh, deathbed salvation. Right. People can turn to Jesus. It is never too late. You know, and I, Sharon is here, and we just did her father's celebration of life service, and he loved cowboys. Yeah. You know, he, he loved cowboys. And just a couple of days before the service, I was uh, helping uh, Sharon with the service. Uh, the Lord brought to my attention about John Wayne. Anybody remember John Wayne? Okay. And how about uh, Roy Rogers? Roy Rogers came from my village many years ago. His name was, real name was Leonard Sly. But anyway, uh, John Wayne heard about Robert Schuller's daughter in America. He was a famous preacher who got in a car accident. A young girl lost her leg, and he felt really sorry for her. So he wrote her a letter and said, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that you had this accident, you know, but praise God you're still alive. And, and, and uh, you know, and he said, you know, he's just trying to encourage her. And she wrote back to him, and uh, she didn't know how to get the letter to him. So... Uh, there was a man coming to Robert Schuller's house that night who knew John Wayne, and he was going to have dinner with him the next night. And so uh, they gave him the letter at dinner, and so he gave it to John Wayne the next day. Now, John Wayne's sitting at the table, and his friend gave him the letter, and he read it, and tears are going down his face. And the girl wrote something to the effect, Mr. Wayne, thank you so much for the letter that you sent, it really did encourage me. And the Lord did save my life. But if I died, I know that I would be with Jesus. And the only thing that makes me sad is to think I'd be in heaven without you. Please accept Jesus into your life. And so John Wayne's sitting there with tears coming down his face. And he says, well, you can tell that little girl I've accepted Jesus. You know, and he came to Jesus. He died three weeks later. You know, so... God does some wonderful things. Amen. It's never too late. Never too late. Never too, never late. too late. And so you were saying about your call when you came to the Lord. How did you know God was calling you? Well, it's, it's strange, really. I didn't, I didn't want to be a minister, uh, but we used to go out on a Saturday night, and uh, I was a better player in those days, and we had a little band, and uh, I would sometimes do a bit of the speaking. And I remember an Assemblies of God pastor up in, um, in York. He said, David, he said, I'd like you to come and, and uh, be the pastor of a little, church, a little village of Pocklington. He said, and uh, we've got a caravan that you could live in. You would think he was uh, telling me it was a penthouse or something. <laughs> he made quite a deal of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't go and, and stuff. Uh, but it, I think it was a seed. I yeah. think it was a seed that was planted in my heart, and I began to think. And uh, we had a preacher come to our church in Blackburn, and he was speaking from the book of John, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, we know it's really, firstly, referring to Jesus, who died, and from his death, of course, we are the result, aren't we? Millions and millions of people uh, are a result. But he was explaining that if we were willing to die to what we wanted, our lives, our uh, Gene and I, we, we were engaged at the time, 
the romance was off and on, but it was definitely on. And uh, and we were going to get and we were going to get married. And I was in a, a nice job that I in. Um, a lithographic printing engineer and added an area that I covered and yeah, it was yeah. it was a nice job uh, and so th things were okay and uh, but I be began to think you know I, I am I willing to die to this yes. so I, I took Jean home that night I prayed yeah. because the pastor green who was staying he was staying at our house and I prayed that if he uh, if the Lord wanted me to go into the ministry he would ask me about it yeah well, they'd all gone to bed when I, I got home. I mean, we tell our kids off for things we did ourselves, you know, staying out late. Um, but he'd gone to bed. But in the morning, I don't think he said good morning. Yeah. He said to me, David, have you ever thought of going to the ministry? Right. Well, I, I bluffed it off and said, no, no. But it was like, you know, you've seen these wildlife um, Films where they shoot the uh, elephant or the <laughs> or the rhino, but it keeps on running for a bit. But when the tranquilizer gets in, it falls. Well, I think I think I got a dart from heaven, <laughs> and so so I I applied to the college yeah. and I'd missed the first term. I said to the Lord, "If you let me go in a term late, and I can sell my van to try and pay for some of the fees because we didn't get any." Yeah support from the government in those days yeah. for, 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 for our theological college. So that's how I really, um, I, I got in really. Praise mm -hmm. God. Yeah. And were you engaged when you went into Bible yeah, college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had to, in those days, yes. I mean, times were hard, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> we need a violin for the next bit. Is that right? <laughs> but we, <laughs> we, we had to apply to get married. You did just El did, Elam. In, the, in our All denomination, right. yeah. yeah. So and, and and she told Jean not to do it. <laughs> they had what they call they had what they call the five year rule. Really, the new ministers could not get married for five years. Really, yeah. And we've been engaged a while. Yeah. So I applied. I thought, well, I mean, the smart ones yeah. who knew about the rule. Yeah. They got married before they went to college. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just wandered in yeah. naively. Yeah. And so I got to apply. And they refused me. Did they? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You're crying out loud. Yes, forgiveness <laughs> took a long time. Uh, so then um, we, we, we promised the Lord we would put off our wedding for two, two years so I could study for the ministry. And it was over two years, and they, they, were, they were going to send me to a place down here in, Som in Somerset. Uh, 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 it was the largest church of our year. You, yeah. Nowadays, they put probationary ministers or ministers in training with older guys. Yes. But not in my day. Yeah. You were thrown in the deep end. Right. They gave you a little church on your own. Yeah. And if you made it, you made it. Right. And if you didn't, you didn't. <laughs> it was tough luck. <laughs> so, so I was going to a place down in Somerset that was the largest church of my year. Right. I don't know whether they, they thought I, I could. Anyway, all that fizzled out because yeah. they, uh, they, they, they decided they didn't want to join our denomination. And so they sent me down to Hayes in Middlesex. Right. Six previous ministers had all left the really? Elim ministry yeah. from that church. Really? 
The last one who was there, he lasted six weeks. <laughs> it killed ministers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went and, and the superintendent who was supposed to do a what we call a, uh, I forget the name of it now, what is it? Induction service. Induction, yeah. He said, David, he said, we can't do it. We only had one six weeks ago, he said. Yeah. So I got to go in the morning and uh, the guy on the door said, hello, are you new? I said, I said I'm the new pastor. <laughs> so that was my introduction. Two people had showed up the week before yeah. and they were half an hour late. Yeah. Uh, but they rallied all the troops because they were getting yet another new pastor yeah. and the congregation for the first day was 15 people. Right. Yeah. So that's how we got started. How many people? Fifteen. Fifteen. In the congregation, right. yeah. Okay. That, that's, that's hard going. What kept you going through the years? I mean, you've been in ministry now for what, 50 years? More. Really? 50. We've been married 55, 54 years, haven't we? Right. So, uh, uh, yeah, 50 odd years anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the sense of the call of God sure. and doing what you know the Lord wants you to do, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, it's been great, really. We've had some ups and downs. And <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to tell you about the time I, I came here when because we, we were in the Midlands and uh, this church had been very large. Uh, and, but it was on the decline. Everybody was living like shit. Uh, you know, rats leaving the ship. Yeah. <laughs> and they sent me. My superintendent said, David, he said, we want you to go, we want you to go and build the church up again. Well, I saw the graph uh, from 1998 and it was going down and down till I arrived in 1994 and then it shot down. <laughs> and I felt, I felt a verse from Exodus, you know, where Moses said yeah. to, to Pharaoh, to the Lord, he said, you sent me to deliver the people and you've not delivered them at all. Things have got worse. Yeah. And I remember we went on holiday to the Isle of Wight and I said, oh, I don't want to go back to Plymouth. <laughs> and uh, I'd been riding around saying, Lord, help me to like this place. I didn't want to come back to Plymouth. And I said, Lord, would you give me an honorable way out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the morning after, the <laughs> death might have been easier. <laughs> That's honorable. People were leaving. People were leaving. I thought, what? I couldn't preach any better. I thought, what do we, you know. Anyway, um, our field superintendent rang me, Wynne Lewis, oh, you know. Goodness, yeah. Dave, he said, are you on your own? He said, he was Welsh. That's my Welsh bit. Yeah, is that your Welsh? Are you on your own? <laughs> he said, we want you to, we would like you to be the superintendent of a church, of an area up in the north of England. And so I felt, this is my honourable way out. God has answered prayer. You yeah. know? And it freed me up. It freed me up. Yeah. And then I was reading in the Bible from the book of Philippians, and it says where the Apostle Paul said, I have a desire to depart. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was me. I thought, amen. But Paul went on to say, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Well, I missed that bit out. <laughs> 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 so I felt 
He said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, but to abide is more needful for you. And I thought it would hurt the church if I went as well, because the previous pastor had only lasted two years, and the people had got discouraged. I thought, well, we'll battle through. So we battle through. I got a crash helmet, and we battle through. Glory to God. Let's give God praise for that. (laughs) Amen. I, I think sometimes people don't, they only think we work on Sunday, I think, you know, but they don't realize what we go through at times, you know. But isn't that amazing? Let's, let's give God praise for our brother David. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. All right, so I, I was going to share some of the supernatural things, and David has many stories of the supernatural. Uh, I work in prisons, and uh, I'm also a police chaplain and work out in American Air Force Base at times as well. But in the prisons, I love prison work, you know, because they know they need help. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, uh, police aren't the same. Okay, you know, but, uh, you know, praise God, that's where I'm at. There was one guy who uh, was in prison, and uh, he had a caliper on his leg, and he had it, he was in prison for 30 years. And so I asked him what he had done, and, and he had killed his wife, but he became a Christian in prison, and he had a caliper on his leg. We prayed for him. The Lord healed him. You know, the Lord healed him, you know, and... Uh, uh, he was getting out of prison soon, you know. It was just everything came together for him. And uh, I don't know how, but he met a lady while he was in prison. They were going to get married when he got out. And he says, look, uh, we're on the, uh, one of the islands of the Hebrides. And he said, we'd love you and your wife to come and stay with us. we got a caravan that you can stay in. So I mentioned my wife. I said, uh, we've been invited to the Hebrides by this gentleman uh, who, who just got married, and he's got a caravan. He'd love us to come. And she asked me, well, who is he? I said, he's one of the prisoners from prison. And I said, well, what did he do? He killed his wife, you know, and she says, we're not going. <laughs> As you do. That, now, that to me is a little bit of lack of faith, you know, but, uh, you know, and we had a gentleman in our church. His name was Ray Delicate, and uh, a uh, lovely guy in his 80s, and God kept healing him. You know what I'm saying? He had Parkinson's disease, and Bob Gordon came to our church, and he said, somebody here has got Parkinson's disease, and, and Ray stuck his hand up, and he said, stand up on that chair, and he prayed for Ray, and Parkinson's disease left. You know, it was really powerful. Uh, Ray uh, also had a caliper on his leg, um, Myself and Fred Smith, I don't know if any of you ever heard of Fred Smith, you know, had a healing ministry, and we, we prayed for Ray uh, on a Monday night uh, uh, full gospel meeting, and nothing seemed to happen. And then the prayer meeting was on Wednesday, and he came to the prayer meeting, and he says, I've got to show everybody uh, what the Lord has done for me. He took the caliper off, and he started dancing around uh, in the church. He says, look what Jesus did. This is the guy that was healed from Parkinson's disease, and he was healed uh, from a, uh, a, a, you know, needing healing in his leg. So 
I took him to another full gospel business meeting, or full gospel business fellowship dinner, and uh, there was Jim Sepulveda there. And I'll never forget this. Uh, Ray passed out at the dinner table. He turned ashen gray. Now, Jim Sepulveda was in the mafia, uh, and his mother kept praying for him all the time, you know. And he uh, had a severe heart problem, and he died. You know, he'd been dead for I don't know how long, 15 minutes, a half hour. The doctor's filling out the death certificate. And then Dave, came, he came back to life again. And he said he had met Jesus. And uh, as an answer to his mother's prayers, Jesus was going to send him back. But he's sending, he sat up, and they went into an artery in his groin, and it was spurting out blood. And he said, excuse me, doctor, should somebody take care of this? And the doctor turned around and said, you're dead, you know. And, uh, you know, so uh, the, they took care of that. And Jim went on to a healing ministry. Anyway, we're at this dinner. Jim is there. Ray passes out, and he looks ashen gray to me. He looks like he died, you know. And I, I went up to get Jim. And I said, Jim, you got to come and pray for Ray. And Ray was totally gone, you know. And Jim came over, and he pointed to the top of his head, to the bottom of his feet, and back up again. And every place he pointed... Ray's body shook, and then Ray came back around. Well, I didn't want to scare Ray, so I, I left it for a while, and I asked him, I said, Ray, what do you think happened? He says, I think I died. You know, so I may have seen a resurrection. If not a resurrection, maybe a healing, you know. But, um, you know, I believe in, and Jesus still raises the people from the dead. Amen. Amen. He can do anything. Amen. And, you know, there are great mysteries why some people are healed in this life and not until they get to the next, you know. But you have to leave that in God's hands. But we always need to have faith for the miraculous. Amen? I, I'm sure David's prayed for people that were healed. I've prayed for people. One lady had a really bad neck. She wore a neck brace, couldn't clean the bathtub because it caused her so much pain. The Lord told me to go and take that neck brace and throw it away. So I went to her house, rang the doorbell, and I said, the Lord's told me to uh, throw your neck brace away. Is that okay? She said, yeah, go ahead. I threw it away, and she was healed. The rest of her life, she was healed. You know, but it's about hearing from Jesus, isn't it? It's about having faith in the Lord. Amen. There's, there's the impossible. You know, the unseen is more real than the seen. You know, you've got to know that. You've got to learn that. I've been to Africa, and I... I've seen uh, spirits there, you know, uh, they're there, you know. I've seen them bounce off people trying to get in somewhere, you know. Uh, one lady I prayed for in Africa, she uh, was mentally ill from the time of the Rwandan wars. She saw her family hacked to death. I prayed for her. I went back to Rwanda and uh, saw her some years later. She says, do you remember me? And I said, no. She said, you prayed for me and the Lord's healed me. You know, so uh, we've cast out demons. Uh, you know, we've uh, uh, mended marriages. You know, uh, people were healed. People got saved. Uh, I was sharing this morning that uh, one of the Cray twins uh, uh, had, uh, well, not the Cray twins, but one of the guys that worked with him, uh, I brought him back to the Lord. Then I brought his son to the Lord. His son was in prison. Then I brought another son to the Lord. I baptized him, you know. 
Uh, I baptized Engelbert Humperdinck's sister. Does that count for anything? I don't know. Her name was Dolly, you know, and she said I sang better than her brother, so I liked her. Yeah. All right. But you've got to have faith. Now, I'm, I'm going to just keep it simple tonight because, um, you know, I don't know what I'm doing really, so I'm going to keep it simple. <laughs> Uh, I retired from pastoral ministry in January 2022. And something happened in my life I never could understand. You know, it was like my faith switch was turned off. I don't know if you've ever been that way where you don't feel anything. It's like you're walking through a desert. You know what I'm saying? I've been through years of seeing the miraculous, seeing what God can do, you know, in people's lives, you know, and... Uh, I've enjoyed that so much. And it felt like my faith switch was turned off. I had doubts thrown at me like I've never had in my life, you know. And it went for a solid year, and this is the truth. It went from the, my birth date on January 2022 uh, to January uh, 23. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't see Jesus. I lost... I, I, I believed in Jesus. I'm not going to turn back. I don't care how much I doubted. There's too much water under the bridge. I know that he loves me. I have served him all this year, but I felt nothing, and the devil was hammering me for a whole year. I wonder if anybody has ever felt that. You know, I felt, you know, you're teetering in this world or the next, you know, that uh, it, it was just a terrible, terrible uh, experience for me. Uh, I never felt anything like that. Then on my birthday this year, it all came back. I could see Jesus again. But I had to fight to find him. I had to seek him with all my heart. And the biggest lesson I learned from this is that faith is a gift. It's not something, nothing that I've done in all of my life was me. It was Jesus. And that when that faith switch was turned off, I realize now that faith was a gift all those years. What got us through the ministry, the hard times, the bad times, when there was money, when there wasn't money. I remember in the early days, we had to count the eggs and make sure that the children had enough eggs to eat, you know. And then when we had nothing, people would come to our door and say, have you got anything to spare? And we gave to them. But we had faith that was given to us by God. You know, it wasn't something that I worked up or tried to make it happen. It was something that came from the Lord. You know, it says that we are saved by faith, and that is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Amen. You know, and Jesus said, he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. You don't need more than what you've got. You've got enough, but you've got to know how it works. And the way it works is that if God tells you something, you know, if he says, I'm going to move this mountain, your heart should say, mountain, be moved. Amen? You know, it's the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to go through these slides a little bit here tonight. Next slide, please. Okay. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's a person. He can, this is a thing that people get shocked when I've done Holy Spirit days uh, for Alpha in the prison. 
They, they were talking about the Holy Spirit, but they never expected him to show up. And they're shocked to find out this person, the third person of the, of the Trinity, has shown up, and he is real. He is a person by his own right. And he can get angry. He can get sad. Others can insult him and blaspheme him against him. It's time to, again, realize, to have respect. Now, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, when they lied to the Holy Spirit, it says they didn't lie to man, they lied to God. And, and the Holy Spirit is here now with us tonight. He is a person, and he speaks to us. So you, you can commit blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I, anybody attributing the works of Jesus to the devil and they know they're wrong is blasphemy. Uh, the reason that's, if they don't repent from that, it becomes unforgivable. Uh, you cannot, uh, you know, do that and, and be saved. You cannot turn against Jesus and be saved. Amen. Uh, resisting the Holy Spirit, you can resist him. You can become stiff-necked. And the Holy Spirit is saying something for you to do. Go talk to that person and tell them the Lord loves them. Simple things. It doesn't have to be something complicated. But you need to hear the Holy Spirit and not resist him. You know, and if you resist him too much, you become stiff-necked to where you don't hear him or, or anything like that. You, you just deafen his voice. Okay? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You can make the Holy Spirit sad by what you do. Amen? Anybody hear what I'm saying? You know, because we're supposed to be spirit-filled people. The happiest people on earth. Amen? Look at somebody, see if they're smiling tonight. <laughs> I was smiling till he started speaking. <laughs> The Holy Spirit has intentions. He shows willfulness and discretion. Uh, you know, he, he loves, he communicates, he testifies, he teaches and prays. He is one with the Father and the Son. You know, he never does anything that they wouldn't agree to, you know, but he is a person. Uh, he teaches and he prays the Holy Spirit. Uh, prays. When the helper comes, he will testify about me, is what Jesus said. And Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter like me. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Uh, the Holy Spirit said, set Barnabas and Saul apart uh, for me, for the ministry. The Holy Spirit said that. The Holy Spirit is a person in his own right, albeit he is one with Jesus and the Father. Next slide, please. Okay, all right, well, let's carry on to the next slide. Next one. Okay, he is our comforter. He is our guardian. He is our teacher. He is our counselor. He is our advocate. He is our helper. He is our prompter. He will prompt you to do things. He's our partner, and he is your intercessor. When you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for you. Amen. And there's a groaning going in, inside of you. You know, you just, you know, that can be the Holy Spirit. You know, 
when you haven't been to church for a while and, and you start to groan inside, you know, the Holy Spirit is letting you know you're thirsty, you're hungry, you need to get something, you know. And you've got to start paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, now, I want to talk about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. You, you have something that you haven't got yet, but you have conceived it in yourself. Faith is something that you hope for, okay, and you get it here. Even before you have it, even before you see it, you conceive it in your spirit. You know, when you're praying for somebody and you know that they've been healed or the Holy Spirit tells you go and pray for them and you know they've been healed, they've been touched by God, you've conceived that in, in your heart. It's not the same as hope. Hope is for the future. Hope is for the future. And faith is for now. You know, you, if I pray for you and you say, oh, thank you, I, I hope I'm healed. Well, you're not going to be healed because faith is having it already. You need to receive it as soon as you're prayed for. Receive your healing. And it doesn't matter how many times you go back to be prayed for, you receive it in Jesus. If you say, I hope I'm going to get healed, you won't be healed. You know, we do have hope in many things. Hope is our salvation. One day we're going to go to heaven. There's a lot of things in the future. But when you need something right now, faith is right now. It's something that you grab a hold of right now. Amen? And you start praying. I'm not talking about believe and receive and things like that or believe and, you know, and, and uh, claim it and name it and claim it and things like that. That doesn't work. But when you start to pray... And when it's confirmed in your heart, you know you have what you've asked for. Amen? Very important for us to understand. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? So God gives faith. Remember the father who asked Jesus to pray for his son. Would you heal my son? And he, he said, you know, do you believe I can do this? He said... Uh, the man says, if you can. He says, if. You know, all things are possible if you only believe. And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We all are in that place tonight. God, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. And help us again to have faith in the supernatural. Amen. You know, this is a thing of restoring, and I, I just really wanted to, to bring that to you tonight. You know, my faith switch has turned back on, and I realize it is a gift. I'm here because of a gift, you know, and all the things that have happened, all of the salvations God has brought us through, uh, you know, all of the, the deliverance and everything that we've done, the marriages we've restored, it was all a gift from God that has brought us through. So you have a gift from God. Amen.